Let's see your t-shirt. Great Lakes. That's it, just Great Lakes? Yeah, it's the powwow tour. I think I showed this one, right? With the powwow tour? With the <laughs> I don't know. With the lakes on the back, all in Anishwabe. Anishwabe in Anish, I can't say it. Anishinaabe? No. Not the language thereof. Oh, I don't know. I know. It's like Anish win. But what what is that shirt for though? I don't understand. It's um from the Wakumakong Wakumakung now. Powwow tour. Wakumakung. What is that? Powwow. Mantle. Oh, hold on a second. If you're wearing that shirt, hold on. I'll wear this hat. Look at you. Look at you. Tribe called the red. Thank you. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know. Have you seen you know. them live before? I have. Where'd you see them? Uh, I saw them live. I'll give you three guesses. Name the town. I would say Toronto, but that seems too easy. Yeah, not Toronto. Um, New York. No, Canadian town. So yeah, I, I heard. Like, let me let me use up let me use up one of my guesses with it, like like just some questions. Yes. West coast. West coast. It's not on a coast. No, but is it west coast or east coast? West. It is west coast. Yeah. Calgary. You're close. Edmonton. You're further away. So Where? there's. So I'll preface it with this. Previous to me going to this place, going to um, the Calgary area that particular summer, right? There's a podcast called uh, the Ongoing His- something about the history of Canada. Ongoing history of Canada, or I can't remember. It's just it's now we see it used to be independent podcast. Now it's CBC podcast, and there is a I believe a black woman host and a indigenous host. And so they were talk, you know, so they talk about uh, a variety of definitions, but this particular episode talked about how in most, most national parks had to be cleared of indigenous people in order to make it a park. So when I went to see a tribe called red, I saw them in Banff. Banff, in Banff. Cool. And I saw them. Um, it's at the Banff Center, Banff Culture, some huh? Banff Music Center or something like that. I uh, went to go see them with uh, my two cousins uh, who grew up in England. Uh, no, sorry. They're my one nephew, one niece. Sorry, they're not my cousins. And as I sat there on the hill watching them, the mountains are in the background. I know we're in Banff and I remember that episode. And it was... Um, one of the most emotional concerts that I've been to because I was like, holy crap, they're here. They're playing in a place that was, I, again, I, I, yeah, cleared of their, their people. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hey everybody, I'm Sid from Rock and Roll True Stories on YouTube, and welcome to the music.
Welcome. Uh, welcome, for, welcome. Thanks for joining us, Sid. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so Greg's been stalking you. Is that the issue, or he's your friend? Like, what, what the heck happened there? <laughs> well, he had sent me an email, um, <laughs> I want to say like a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and we just got chatting from there. And Yep, nice. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I found Sid's um, uh, rock and roll true stories on a Living Color Facebook fan page. And they shared your episode about the lawsuit between the band and the TV show, which I thought was quite interesting. And, you know, but I'd, I'd love to hear more about that from, you know, your perspective. But one thing I'd like to point out, I mean, I mean, your, your YouTube channel is 124,000 subscribers. Yeah, it's, it's surreal. I never thought 35 million views. It's like, surreal. it's crazy. Like it shows that rock and roll, I guess, is still alive. Um, and how many how many videos have you done over? Like, oh god. Uh, well, since I started Rock and Roll True Stories, it's like when I first started, it was two videos a day. Now it's like five to seven videos a week. So it's probably what four hundred, five hundred video stories, and more. We, we've we shot the next three months worth of stuff, so we already got. Whoa. Some- yeah. well, okay. So so hold on, Sid. You know, you're not um, making me look good, by, by the way, because I'm I'm the post production guy, <laughs> so that's why he jumped at this. But anyway, carry on. Sorry, Greg. It, it takes Greg. Like we'll be we'll be lucky if your episode comes up before we find a cure, uh, or, or, or for for COVID. For, for COVID right nineteen. Uh, no, but actually, I want to I want to ask you this actually. Um, like how, why, how did you get started in, in, in doing this? Like why, like why this, don't you know, you could blog easier. You could take a photo and upload it. You right. make these and it's not just you on a video. It's like you're putting together, you'd have to do research. You probably have yep. to put together a script. Yep. You got to find all the images and all the videos. <laughs> like how, <laughs> why the big question is why? Well, the, the easy, re- easy answer is that, you know, I'm passionate about it and I, I love doing it. Like, um, and, uh, you know, the whole thing really started in 2017, 2016. I had, I started as a Guns N' Roses channel first and yeah. I started doing these, like started doing news videos about the band cause they reunited. And then I started doing these true story episodes, like epi- stories about the band and people really liked it, but you can only do so many stories on a band. You run out of stories. And I was talking with the idea of doing like a rock and roll stories channel because there are some channels that kind of do that stuff, but they're more like the history of this band. They don't get into specific episodes about like living colors lawsuit. They'll just do a history of living color. So you don't really get everything or specific details. And uh, I feel like, and I don't know if you guys live out in the East, right? Like in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm out in Alberta and I just felt like the last couple of years, things feel really volatile from a career point of view. Hmm. And I just feel like I feel like I needed something creatively to to kind of put my attention towards where I'm kind of just doing everything on my own. I don't have to go through this whole, you know, bureaucratic structure with red tape. Um, so that's kind of why I started it. And I've just really been enjoying it a lot, too. And I feel like it gives, it gives me a lot of freedom, like especially with COVID. I mean, I never thought COVID would happen. But now to be able to keep doing this, especially working from home, it's awesome. Nice. Because, because you talk about your, your career, I mean, at the risk of really sounding like I was stalking you. <laughs> Am I correct? You're an engineer by trade? Yeah, I work in the uh, construction area. Yeah. yeah. I, I spent five years in school. 
And, um, you know, I kind of bought that whole thing of, you know, you, I, you know, coming from <laughs> and Kareem probably knows it's like when you have immigrant parents, like, oh, and, like they drill it into you. You got to go to school. You got to get good grades then you get a job, have a family. And that's happily ever after. Yeah. And I feel now for this generation, it doesn't feel like that. Like yeah. I went five years to school and I feel like even if you have a good job where you you're an engineer or a lawyer, like you still have to work so hard to get to retirement. And that's just not for me. Like I want freedom in my life. My dad was kind of the same way. So that's one of the reasons I started the channel. I wanted to do something I was passionate about, but I also really enjoyed and could give me freedom. And did you come at it from like, were you a musician? Were you a fan? The reason I ask that is, I mean, between with our show, I'm the ex grumpy recovering musician and Kareem's like the Uber fan that just sucks up everything music you know what I mean? yeah like for me i i kind of got introduced to rock and roll through my brother he was seven years older so we All grew right. up during the 90s so i was listening to whatever he was listening to like you know nirvana Soundgarden, guns and roses all that stuff and then he kind of got into rap and hip-hop and i didn't rediscover rock and roll until rock band and guitar hero came out and then i got into playing drums and then i started taking drum lessons and um, yeah, and then I really started to discover a lot of bands I didn't even know about, like, you know, Deep Purple and Queen and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s. And um, I thought, boy, it'd be really cool to, like, tell these stories that, you know, a lot of people don't know about. And even I discover a lot of stories I didn't even know about before. That's cool. Um, when, okay, right. how do you, how do you research? So, I mean, hold on, let me, let me preface it. You start off with Guns N' Roses, big Guns N' Roses fan. Oh yeah, they're like my they're like my Beatles, you know. For me, really? not so much anymore because I don't like what the band's doing in terms of just like milking the reunion for all it's worth. Like, come <laughs> on, guys, release some new music. I want to hear new music from this band. Yeah, but do but do you do like do you want to hear new music from them? Yeah, you know, part of me you're kind of right. Like, you know. Um, I don't know how, how familiar you guys are with the band, but like, to me, I don't know if it was like, you know, Appetite for Destruction was so great because they were singing about what they were experiencing. These guys were broke. They were living on the grimy streets of LA and there was a lot of rawness to it. Now it's like, you know, it's 30 years later, they're multimillionaires. Izzy's gone. Steven's gone. It's like, is it really going to be that great? You're right. I'm just kind of curious to see what they come up with. Yeah. Yeah. So after you, talk, you talked about, um, you run running out of Guns N' Roses stories, which is, which is interesting in and of itself. Yeah, because there's a couple it, of stories I haven't done yet, but I'm kind of saving them for this channel. Okay. Um, when did you, and then you started doing other stories from other bands. Yeah. How generally, like how do you do your research and pick topics? So it's kind of, um, it kind of happens a variety of different ways. So on my channel, I ask subscribers for like, hey, what stories would you like to see me guys cover? And they have some great ideas that some of them are like, wow, I didn't even know that was a story. Mm -hmm. um, so they'll give me ideas. Um, I, I do read a lot. So I've been reading like some really great books. Um, right now I'm reading the oral history of metal or heavy metal. Wow. wow. And uh, I'm, so I'm trying to fit in reading. And it's kind of crazy because I started this rock and roll true stories channel before I had my first child. <laughs> so I was like, who starts something right before they're going to, yeah, you know, I'll start You're something first. That means you have more than one. First and only. We have two dogs too. So that's, uh, two dogs. um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, that's one way reading. I read a lot on the internet, different websites and they have cool, like there's a lot of good historical websites. Um, and then there's just stuff I've read over the years. That I'm kind of like, Oh, you know, I feel like I read something like I put a video up about Billy Corgan and Anderson Cooper from CNN getting into a few years ago. And I remember reading it like four years ago and I was like, that would be a cool story that maybe people forget about. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because I actually have in my notes, I was going to say, hey, Kareem, what, what do Anderson Cooper and I have in common? Yes, yeah. Billy Corgan hates them both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, actually, it's funny. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of weird how some stuff comes together like that. So I know you have what the next? Did you say the next six months? No, next three months. But I've got like the next six months in my head and like charted out of what I want to do. But then there's always stories that come up that you know sure. as I'm reading mine. So here's um, so here's a good story. So Greg is going to tell you the story. I, I don't know what 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 would the title be. Um, how, how, why I got blocked by Billy Corgan on Twitter. Oh, you got blocked by him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. tell, like, tell the whole story. Oh, it, it was just, I mean, going way back. And I mean, I've, I think we've beaten this to death on this show. Um, it was <laughs> at the red hot chili peppers, uh, smashing pumpkins show, uh, at the concert hall in Toronto. So this is oh. like a, you know, couple thousand venue. Right, size venue. So they were t- they were touring together. Like, what tour? Would you know? Remember what album that was? It was Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um, oh wow, so that was like early nineties. But it was very yeah. It was it was just when Blood Sugar Sex, just after Mother's Milk, Blood Sugar Sex Magic gets released. They were touring yeah. Toronto. They play a two thousand three thousand seat venue, something like that. And the opening band, because they had a the band open for both bands, was this no name act out of Seattle called Soundgarden. No, and <laughs> Pearl Jam. Oh, sorry, not Pearl Jam. Sorry, yeah, not Soundgarden. Damn. Pearl Jam. My bad. I blew the story <laughs> already. It was Pearl Jam. It was Pearl Jam. Soundgarden. I don't know. I think I got notes to talk about Pearl or Soundgarden at some point. But anyway, so so Eddie Vedder gets up there and just absolutely slays it. The band are like, like nobody knew. Everybody's like, who, who is this? Like, we had never heard of this band before. And then Billy Corgan gets up and and they're playing, you know, the first song and they finish the song. And one of the fans in the front says, you know, play blah, 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 whatever the song is. And Corgan says something like, listen, I don't take orders from anybody. Never mind some fucking bitch. Right. And then they go into the second song. And at the end of the second song, silence, like nothing, nothing. All of a sudden I hear this, fuck you. And it's my girlfriend at the time beside me. And then the crowd just goes ballistic. And anyway, so years and years later, Twitter has been invented. Um, we're all on Twitter uh, you know, connecting and having a good time. And I happened to bring up this story. And then the next time I went to Billy Corgan, I was blocked. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Cause you know, actually the, one of the, 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 one of the first, um, actually it was my, my current wife, like my wife, just a current wife. I don't plan on getting married again. <laughs> it was, it was my wife's uh, first birthday that I was spending with her and we went to see Smashing Pumpkins. This was in 2012 when Oceana came out. And uh, I remember at that time they had a, you know, they sell these VIP passes. You can get like backstage passes yeah. and they had a really good deal for the pumpkins. It was like, it was pretty expensive still, but it was like 600 or 400 bucks and you would, you know, get VIP access, but then you'd meet the band and Billy Corgan would play three songs specifically for you. So I remember I was like almost going to pull the trigger. Cause I'm like, I've never, when do you ever get to meet Billy Corgan in person? And he was the only like original member at that point. He had a bunch of hired hands and, uh, but yeah, I didn't end up pulling the trigger on. I wish I kind of would have because it would have been a cool experience to get like three songs played for you and then you get to meet, meet him. Because I, I mean, I've always been a fan of his music. Mm-hmm. I love his music. I just think he's an asshole. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a really outspoken guy. And um, But he's, he's feuded with everybody. Like he feuded with Soundgarden, like you were talking about. Yeah. And then he feuded with, um, oh, what's that band? Uh, Dave Grohl, he's, he's uh, gotten a piss. Oh yeah, I'm sure there. he's feuded with Dave Grohl, but then yeah. Smash Mouth is like another yeah. band. He's oh yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's like there's no, and Courtney Love, of course, you know, you can't forget her. Yeah. 
yeah, for sure. Is um, there but. is there a in in all the videos that you've done, all the research that you've done, and in, in the interaction Sid with with the people that are uh, subscribed to your channel and, and leaving comments, is there a band or an artist that you would give the rock and roll true stories most hated trophy to? Mm. Oh, like bands that people really don't like. Yeah. Um, oh, Courtney Love is like, you know, I did one on whole like a long time ago and people just hate Courtney Love. I'm not a big fan of hers, like, but I do like her music, like mm-hmm. uh, her early stuff. And another band that people really hate, and it's one of my favorite stories, is U2. People hate Bono and U2. They just are not big fans. And then um, uh, there's some other like Candlebox, which is kind of a lesser known Seattle band. People are kind of like, they can go either way on them. So Tell- I find you, I find you two is definitely one of those bands though, that people just hate. They hate Bono. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know if it's just like him being really outspoken, like for different causes and whatnot. I don't hate you two. I like some other music. Um, I do have some coworkers that I know who like they, you to them. You two is God and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's oh, another one is rage against the machine. That's a band that splits. Me. Really? So they're very political. And um, yeah. so people are either really for them or they just hate them. I wonder too if it, with you too. I mean, the, the the you know to me, I grew up on War and Boy. I guess I'm yeah. aging myself. Um, and then and then they started getting experimental, and I found their music to be kind of become not blase, but not you know nothing to me really exciting. Nothing nothing edgy. Nothing punky. You know, they they had left the experimental behind, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they pull the was the atomic bomb where they drop it on everybody's iPhone. And it just seemed like that just pushed people over the edge. Yeah. I was kind of surprised how people reacted to that. Cause I'm to me, I was like, you know, like, I feel like an old guy. Cause I listen, I listen to what my coworkers are listening to, like who are 10 years younger than me. And I'm like, I just don't get the music today. A lot of it. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, Maybe they'll get exposure to some good music, even if it is like a newer U2 album, but maybe you'll get them interested in listening to like the early stuff. Who's the, um, you, not 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 people that are sort of they hate um, a, a particular artist, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's a video that you've done that just the video was just got a bad reaction from people. Oh, um, boy, that's a really tough one. I have to. Usually, it's like the more popular videos. Um, actually, it's funny. I got my channel open right now. I think. Um, <laughs> You know, people really don't like hair metal a lot. I have a soft spot for it. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but yeah, '90s hair metal. Come on. I mean, people. Uh, the one of the most popular videos I ever did was um, Poison's. I think it was their 1991 VMA performance, which was like a disaster. And uh, I was surprised it was so big, but people hate Poison uh, and you know Rat and those kind of bands and Cinderella. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of love for hair metal. That's like you get a lot of strong reactions from the band. There was there was one of your one of your episodes too that was like it was like a war between I remember Sebastian Bass Sebastian Bach Sebastian Bach yeah can't remember who it was but it was like I don't know it was interesting it was a lot of people a lot of people watched it and commented on that one it's kind of funny to your point yeah it might have been the one like the story of Skid Row I did yeah maybe maybe he's, he's yeah. been in a feud with those guys I'm almost amazed I'm almost amazed that these guys haven't reunited with him like given that every other band is reunited it seems yeah. He's, I don't know what his voice is like. He had one of the, he had at the time the best rock and roll voice. He could. Oh, he, bass? 
uh, Skid Row, Sebastian Bach, Sebastian yeah, Bach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought so. He yeah. could hit those high notes. Um, you know, he can get really grungy with his voice. Um, yeah, I couldn't get enough of Skid Row back in the day. I thought he was awesome. And, and hey, Greg, he's Canadian, I think. He's yeah, he's from Canadian. the Uber area. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a he's a great singer. I just find it weird when he's on Gilmore Girls. What? <laughs> yeah, he was on the TV show Gilmore Girls. Like he had a, I think he was a reoccurring cast member or something. It was kind of weird. That I didn't know. He wrote a book recently, if, if I if I remember that correctly, um, not too long ago. I, I was thinking of trying to get him on as a guest, Greg. But um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. What's what's your most Sid? What's your most popular? Um, I guess if you had, you know, the same thing in terms of the most hated band, who's the most beloved band among your fans? Uh, people love Pantera. Whoa. Yeah. People love Pantera, Van Halen. Um, I mean, I've done, I haven't done a ton of videos about the Sammy Hagar era that's coming up, but people just seem to have really strong, like the Johnny Cash is, I did one or two videos of Johnny Cash. And one of the biggest ones I did was about why he covered the nine inch nail song hurt. That's a great version. Yeah, and that one I put out, and I was like right before COVID. It was like around the time COVID hit, and like it blew up, and people really liked it. I thought it was a cool story, just because Rick Rubin kind of rescued his career. Because at that point, he was not really doing very well. Mm-hmm. And here comes Rick Rubin, and you know he helps Johnny Cash out, and then you know he kind of gave him a second lease on life. What was the story behind behind him covering Hurts? So, I, from what I remember, I did it a while back, but uh, it was a, I think it was a choice by Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin had this idea for Hurt, and they tried to rehearse it and. Uh, Johnny listened to the original Nine Inch Nails version, but he just, he couldn't really make out the lyrics, I think, because it was okay. sung like a whisper almost. Mm. And he kind of just pushed Johnny to keep doing it. And then they finally recorded it. And um, the video was shot just before he died. Like, I know Johnny was having a bunch of health issues, but um, it was funny when they told Trent Reznor originally that Johnny was going to cover it. He thought that he was covering like 50 other songs. So he didn't think much of it. <laughs> and then uh, he, he heard it and he's like, yeah, he's like, he was pretty blown away by it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the, the, so Johnny Cash has a lot of cool stories in his career, of course. Pantera, jeez, I'm still trying to. Get yeah, over Pantera that. is really popular. Alice in Chains is really popular. Um, I've done a lot of Alice in Chains videos. They're one of my. They're probably my favorite grunge band. Um, your, your Chris Cornell, your Chris Cornell videos do well as well. Yeah, know, Faith like no the Temple of the Dog and stuff. Yeah, Faith No More. People yeah. love. Yeah. Um, you know, Nirvana, of course. Um, I'm just trying to a slit. I've done a bunch of videos on Slayer. Um, it's funny. Some metal bands like Iron Maiden aren't as popular. Like not that people hate them. It's just people don't watch them as much, but uh, Queen has done really well too. People love Queen, of course, like, you know, they're such a great band too. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, and then, you know, nine, I've done a lot of nine Inch Nails stories. Those are cool too. A lot of people like them. Yeah. Trent, Trent's, Trent's done a lot of interesting things over the years that, yeah, one of my have you guys seen that? There's a story I did about um, the time the FBI thought he was dead. No, tell me so, about that. Oh, that's one of my favorite stories. A fan told me that story. That's one reason I know it. Is um, so this is before Nine Inch Nails was even famous. Nobody even knew who they were. They were working on Pretty Hate Machine. They were filming their video, their first ever video, which was down in it. And in that day, they had no money to make a proper video. So instead of using, you know, if you've seen the video, a guy jumps off like a skyscraper, or he dies. And they try to get these aerial shots of the guy's body on the ground, but they couldn't afford a crane. So they used weather balloons with cameras tied to them. 
And one of the weather balloons with the camera flew away and they shot the video, I think in Chicago and it flew away and it landed in a farmer's field, in Michigan. And the farmer saw this balloon with the camera and he just handed it over to the cops and the cops thought it was like a real life, like murder caught on tape or like death. And, you know, they started looking at like clues of where the, what was going on in the background. And they kind of concluded it happened in Chicago, if I remember correctly. And then the police in Chicago started looking at the location and they started handing out flyers to kids at school. And it just so happened two years later, a kid who was watching MTV got one of those flyers and got in touch with the police. And uh, they figured out it wasn't actually like a, a murder. It was just like a music video. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Like people thought it was like a, some people thought it was a snuff film. Some people thought it was like a drug murder or something. And um, Trent Reznor kind of laughed about the whole thing. Like the cops spent all this money trying to figure it out, but. And, was, and, and knowing, knowing Trent, it was almost like, like he would have planned that. Like, I mean, did, did, did you know about the, the activation he did that was like, you know, you had to, again, it was free. Well, it was just, just around the beginning of social media or not social media, but the internet. And uh, in terms of people really being on it and using it. And it was like, it was almost like this multi, multi activation between online, you know, physical, like location based, phone based. I'm trying to remember what the campaign was. I don't know if you know that or not, but. No, that one, I don't know. I, th- I thought you were maybe talking about, there was a one story I haven't done yet. It's about how he tried to tell people to steal his record because he was angry at his label for re-releasing <laughs> some stuff. I don't remember the whole story. I have to write a story about it, but I remember reading something like that. And he was encouraging fans to steal the record or something. But that even, I mean, even, even to that, I mean, for, for him, and uh, what was it? Was it ground year zero? I don't know if it was year zero with capital G, but I mean, he released all the tracks and, and got his fans to do all the remixes and there's right. yeah. incredible, incredible t- tracks that came out of that. Yeah. I remember, I don't remember what album, or maybe it was year zero, but I remember reading something like that, that he tried to get fans to like, just take the music and do whatever they wanted with it. Yeah, it was whatever capital G was on. Anyway. Hmm. You talked about uh, at the beginning, Sid, uh, you know, huge Guns N' Roses fan. Um, and I think I read somewhere that you've, you've gone to a bunch of their concerts. You've, you've uh, met other Guns N' Roses fans. Did you ever have a chance to meet them? Um, so a couple of years ago, before I started the channel, I... Um, I've kind of had a couple different interesting jobs. I used to review games for like not a living, but as a side gig Yeah, and uh, like review video games. And um, it was for a Canadian site and as one, I wouldn't get paid for doing it, but they would send me on press junkets. Mm-hmm. So one of the press junkets was in Albany, New York. And it, it was around the time that the replacements had reunited who happened to be another really popular band on my channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this guy sitting like close to me and I'm really terrible at recognizing celebrities in person. And it turned out it was Tommy Stinson of the replacements, but he was in Guns N' Roses at the time too. So I was kind of shy to go up to him because I'm always feel awkward going up to famous people and he's like getting a photo or whatever. But then um, when they played Edmonton, I, I ran into their drummer, Frank Ferrar, Ferrer, however you say his name. I got a photo with him and uh, I met Mick Bob, who's Duff's bass tech. But um, I also met their manager in LA. Like I went to LA to see the band there and that was pretty cool on their home turf, but I haven't met any other members. Um, what the what I wanted to get at is is you know there, there's that saying that you never want to meet your heroes. Um, yeah, that's part of it too. I don't know if I want to meet them because I'm like I'm not a hardcore fan of the point. Like I want to 
go talk to him. I just, I think the only thing I would ever say to them is like, Hey, I love your guys' music. And that's it. Like, I don't think that of them as infallible or perfect. Like they're just human beings like the rest of us. Yeah. One of my, one of my fears, I'm a huge uh, Neil Young fan. Oh, I get, uh, yeah. And I've, yeah. I don't know how Neil would be in person to meet. I'm yeah. I'm so afraid. I, I like, I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a dream. Like I, I, I wrote on Facebook once that, you know, if I ever get the chance to interview him for the podcast, like that would, we would stop the podcast after that. There'd be no, no more reason. Oh, I'd be going solo. I'll go. Solo. Yeah. Greg would go solo. And, uh, <laughs> but then I'm also afraid because he's one of the things I like about him is that he's very, he, he does his own thing. He doesn't care much about anything other than what he believes in. Uh, his music, his family, his friends. Um, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's really admirable too because you don't see a lot of that these days. It's, it's yeah. hard to find authentic people just in general. Exactly, right? It's just like, you, you like my music, you don't like my music, I couldn't care less. This is my music. This is what came through me and I'm putting it out there. This, yeah, I'm going to fix the how people listen to music. I'm going to, you know, have this massive train set for my son. Just does his own thing. Um, yeah, that's that's an artist I got to cover more of. Like, I know somebody said a couple of weeks ago, oh, you should cover more Canadian artists. And like, I did Brian Adams a couple of weeks ago, and uh, that was my first Brian Adams one. And there's some, uh, there's a ton of like, I've done some Rush ones too. Like, Rush is probably my favorite Canadian band. Oh yeah, but um, there's a lot of great Canadian artists I should probably cover. Something uh, I've read to, back back to the Neil Young you were mentioning, or not you mentioned, but one of the episodes was around um, rocking in a free world. Oh yeah, that was a really early one. Yeah, just how people misinterpreted the whole song, and I thought that oh, was. I need to watch that video. Do you want to? Can you, you talk about that a bit, Sid? So, yeah. So I, I, I when I, it was a pretty early on video on my channel. I, I did a couple of videos on like songs that people misinterpreted, and "Rocking in the USA" was, or "Rocking in the Free World," not "Rocking the yeah. Rocking in the Free World" was one of them. And I remember like a lot of presidential candidates. I think even Donald Trump used it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, before Neil Young told him to stop. But it's just like, you know, I think people hear the chorus and then they don't listen to the rest of the words. Yeah, like, it's a um, protest song. Yeah, it's a protest song. It was like, it wasn't really saying how great the West was. It was kind of saying how horrible. Yeah. And we talk about how great we are. We have all these problems though at the same time and it's still relevant to this very day. And even um, Born in the USA was another episode I did about Bruce Springsteen. Like that's used by politicians, but people just hear the chorus and that's it. I remember the reason, the reason I asked that is because, I mean, another one of your episodes, you know, dealt with John Lennon and his issues with the U.S. government and, you know, about, about following Nixon's election around. And, you know, today I was listening to, and I guess it's timely because of today, you know, Apocalypse 91 by P.E. And it also reminds me of the Lennon, your Lennon story reminds me of um, my wife and I went to see uh what did we go and see was it profits maybe in cleveland and it was during the the rnc um convention there and it was a really weird weird situation because you had all the restaurants that were like making fun of the rnc oh really um well not making fun but like like the, the 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 food available now this was just after so were they that ballsy while it was going on i don't know but afterwards, it was like there were digs. And, you know, you think back to Lenin, I think back to then, and I look at what's happening now, and, and Cream kicked off the call before, before you joined us, um, speaking about the current situation. 
And it's like, do we think there's going to be even like, is, is there going to be any difference this time around? I don't know. I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, um, it's, it's funny. Like a lot of those stories, like the, the Lennon one, it's kind of scary when you get to that stature because it's like they'll find like for him it was kind of a bogus charge they were trying to lay on him like they were trying to find any reason to like get him in trouble because they thought he could start a lot of trouble and uh, get a lot of people galvanized behind them but I'm kind of saying it's kind of, I feel like the times have changed like I don't know of any celebrity I can think of who can actually galvanize people I feel like nowadays people just put out a message on social media and like that's it they don't want to do anything more yeah it'd be very interesting if uh, I was actually shocked that even. Michael Jordan recently put out something. He's he's known to be sort of him and Tiger kind of quiet people. Um, don't want to sort of ruffle any feathers, but it would be really interesting um, to see whether someone like a LeBron James, let's say, um, you know, really steps out, see him on the street um, in front of a camera. I'm really, really curious about that. Or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, I feel like I don't know of any musician like now who's come up recently who can galvanize people like the musicians used to be able to, right? Yeah, you are right. You are right. We had we had we had Eric Alper on the other week. Um, I guess we just released that yesterday, actually. Yeah, and yep. Uh, and you know he was talking about not not this, but about you know we were talking about you know, you had the big movement of grunge and you've had these various, you know, big events that happen within the music space. And his view was that it's not going to happen again because it's so fragmented. And I wonder if that also speaks to what you're talking about there in terms of, you know, not having anybody with that big of a voice to be able to make that change. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I keep hearing that some people say like rock and roll. Is, I don't think rock and roll is dead, but I just feel like it's, yeah, it's fragmented and you know, nowadays, a lot of the bands that are coming up, I just feel like they're recycling what was already done. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard that band, Red Event Fleet. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, a new like band. Who's, yeah, they sound like, you know, the great thing that was great about like the 90s and the, you know, the 80s, even the early 2000s, is these bands had their own sound, but they were influenced by, like, you could tell like Guns N' Roses was obviously influenced by Aerosmith and Zeppelin, and they had some punk roots, but they had their own sound. Like, you could listen to a Guns N' Roses song or Nirvana song, and you could be like, okay, that's a Nirvana song. It wouldn't be like, oh, you listen to Greta Van Fleet and it sounds like a B-side or like an outtake from a Zeppelin track, from a Zeppelin album. And I feel like bands are just reusing someone else's material. Yeah, my, my kids my kids are in their, their early 20s. And I remember my son telling me that he really wanted me to sit down and listen to this band, Greta Van Fleet. And it was just like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up yeah, listening to this. I grew up listening to this. Yeah, like I went to see Guns N' Roses in Vegas in November. It was like one of the last tours they did recently. And they had this band Dirty Honey open for them. And the singer sounds like really a lot like Axl Rose. Like he's got a very raspy kind of voice. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, just the music nowadays just doesn't do a lot for me. I feel like a lot of the bands that I'm listening to have been around for 20 years already, but they're still doing it. Is there any fresh music that, you're, that you really like that really uh, grabs you? I mean, not really. Honestly, whatever I'm listening to now is like bands who are still doing it, like Pearl Jam. And uh, Hmm. uh, actually tomorrow we got a video all about Queens of the Stone Age dropping. I feel like for some reason, I think they're like a new band, but they've been around for 20 years. I just feel like times pass by so quickly. How about you guys? Do you find like there's a lot of music grabbing you like that you guys are 
discovering new bands these days? I'm discovering old music. You're discovering old music. <laughs> he's, 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 discovering, he's discovering Fleetwood Mac lately, apparently. <laughs> actually, you know what? Uh, actually, it's funny. We're actually right now editing a Fleetwood Mac video all about rumors. <laughs> oh. So Sorry, what is, what is it? What is it doing? Um, uh, we're actually editing a whole video that's coming up on hopefully on Thursday about uh, rumors by Fleetwood Mac, like their, their big album. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's yeah, actually, there's one band that I've, I've been listening to recently. They came out a couple of years ago, Royal Blood. They're just like oh. a. I've heard of them, yeah. Oh, they, like, you you mentioned earlier about Queens. I remember it was last year or the year before, and my cousin, my cousin, her husband, and their son, and he was supposed to have a friend go, and it was to see Queens of the Stone Age. And I guess the friend bailed. So my cousin said, all right, meet us down. We'll go to the Budweiser stage or whatever. And they hand me the ticket, and it's floors. And I'm like, well, all right, that's kind of cool. And Royal Blood opened up. I'm, I've got goosebumps right now. Uh, I've I've never seen a two piece pull off that before in my life. Oh, they're so good. You know, I was supposed to see them. Uh, what was it the 2015? They were opening for Foo Fighters, and it was the first time I was going to go see Foo Fighters live. And uh, I think my wife got sick, and I was uh, we couldn't go, and I was so bummed out because yeah, Royal Blood and Foo Fighters on the same ticket that would have been great. But yeah, I've just you know seen them. I see them on YouTube and stuff and just hear them on the radio. And they're, for a two piece, they're incredible. The, the, the sound and, and, and it, and it, you know, often, not often, but sometimes there are bands like that that are two piece and, you know, they sound really good recorded and they sound okay live. These guys were just, yeah, again, they just blew my mind. They blew my mind of the sound that they've created. Just yeah. Every now and then you get a band like that. That's like, they got their own unique sound and they're really original. And yeah, I like Robot a lot. Yeah. Another band that uh, has opened up for uh, Foo Fighters that uh, I know Greg enjoys as well is The Beaches. Oh, I don't know if I've heard The Beaches before. Ah, uh, you probably have. Yeah, they they're they they've had a number of songs on on radio rotation, heavy radio are, rotation last summer. Are they like an alternative rock band or? Yeah, they're they're. How do you how do you describe them? They're they're garagey female. <sighs> A little punky, but not really. You know what I mean? It's more the garagey sound. Um, right. But amazing songwriting, the harmonies. It's yeah, they're really it's a cool. fun band to watch live as well. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to go check them out. Like another band um, is. Do you guys listen to the Struts at all? Mm-hmm. Yes, the Struts, Darkness. Yeah, those are. Those, yeah, you get every now and then you get those great bands out of the UK too. Didn't the Struts? Cream, wasn't it? The, was it the Struts that played with the Beaches and the Foos? Yeah, it was Beaches. Yeah, then it yeah. was the Struts, yeah. and then it was uh, Foo Fighters. Yeah. I thought the Struts, that front man, he's got presence. He does, uh, yeah. I know Greg doesn't like him too much. Well, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> to, me, to me, it's a bit. And I know, I'm sorry, Sid, but like to me, them in the darkness, it's like I almost feel like I've heard that sound before. That's all yeah. I don't know. I just, I thought they were good. I thought they were good. And he has such a likeness to Freddie Mercury. Yeah, I was going to say, he reminds me a lot of Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And then the weird thing was, is part, I, th- I don't know if it was an encore song, but um, Foo Fight, I mean, they love, they love Queen. And so they, uh, they did a Queen song and, uh, yeah. and the lead singer of Struts came on and, and sang, sang half the song. Yeah, you and know, it, yeah, I mean, it's Taylor Hawkins, the drummer of Foo Fighters. He's got a good voice. Like, he's got his own side projects when he's not in Foo Fighters. Yeah, he's got, he's got a really good voice. He's got a really, really good voice. 
one of the one of the episodes that I really dug that you did was um, the the Red Hot Chili Peppers episode on SNL when Frusciante went. Oh yeah, that was actually. I think that is the second most popular. Is that right? Anything about Frusciante people love. Um, yeah, that that was one of my. I did a long time ago, but yeah, that whole SNL was like it was pretty shocking. Like I'm kind of surprised like given what happened backstage. Cause I, if I remember correctly, like he was high during that performance. Like they banned so many bands on SNL for stupid reasons and uh, some rightfully so, but like fear, but yeah, that you could just see the tension on stage between those two guys. It was, it was, it was incredible. And, and I didn't know that story and I'm a huge peppers fan. Um, probably one of my, well, if not my top band, my top with, with the foos. Um, and and what I'm really excited about, and I thought it was interesting because when I was watching the video, uh, you, you know, you were talking about his second tenure, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with his with his third tenure. Yeah, I was disappointed when like I was happy they announced he was coming back because I saw them in 2013, I think it was, and Klinghoffer was still playing with them. Yeah, and I I'm a, I like the Chili Peppers, but I wanted to see John Frusciante, so I was really looking forward to them coming back. And then COVID hit, and I was like, oh, I guess we'll have to wait a little bit longer. Was that the incredible light show, the one that was hanging over the crowd? Um, it was on the I'm With You tour. All I remember from it is that they uh, they had this horrible opening act. It was like a New Orleans jazz band. And they were just... Oh, you're killing me. So you're killing me. Oh, you're killing me here. <laughs> I couldn't get into it. It was just like weird. And it, I, I stayed for most of the concert, but then I heard right. they brought the opener out for a give it away, which I think was a set closer. Yeah, that was Trombone Shorty. Yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, I just couldn't get it. You know, we arrived yeah. like halfway through their set. And I That's just cool. That's cool. No, I just, cause I, I, I went with my kids. So the four kids were Brady Bunch two and two. And so I bought four tickets and my wife said to the kids, Oh yeah, Greg bought four tickets for you guys. I'm like, mm, don't think that was quite the deal. On this one. <laughs> not, sure, not sure how that happened. Yeah. So I, I grabbed a nosebleed and I sat in the back. Um, but I loved I loved Trombone Shorty and to the, to the point where the next time he came through town, he played the Danforth Music Hall, which is a tiny little venue here. And uh, my son and I went and it was just, I don't know, I just, I'm a huge fan of Trombone. Yeah, it might have been too, like, um, we, I haven't seen any new concerts in our new hockey arena. We, I, we, they played at the old, like, we call it Rexel Place. I don't even know yeah. if it's sound, but the sound was awful in Rexel Place for any band you'd go see. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I found the Chili Peppers performance and I was okay, but we had nose, but we were way back in like the nosebleeds from what I remember from that show. Yeah. It wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't certainly wasn't my favorite tour that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like my, my friend who had, I think he went to that same show. He told me he went and saw them on the stadium Arcadium tour. And I was just so jealous. Cause I'm like, that was like the, that's the lineup I wanted to see. Yeah. What are your thoughts Sid, on, on post COVID and, and concerts? Mm. Um, yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, I feel really bad for these musicians. I mean, even these successful ones, like, cause you know, they're not really making much money on record sales now. It's all through sure. touring, but I can just tell you like for, for me, like I, <laughs> cause I'm a germaphobe. Like I don't, I don't have any desire to go in, onto a plane or even go see a band anymore in person. Um, I, I did see that there was some, wasn't there some country artist who performed a concert recently, but they have these weird pods in the audience. Like, I don't know how they're going to make money because they have to spend all this money doing these social distancing measures. They're going to have less people in the crowds probably because they have to be, you know, whatever, six feet apart. Um, yeah, I think everything's going to suffer. Like, and what's even worse is the people who work as roadies and behind the scenes and the restaurants and hotels, like 
yeah, I feel like it's going to be really uncertain for the next couple of years until they figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. You know what? I, I didn't think about that. I was, I was thinking more of um, from, yeah, I guess I was thinking more of, you know, would, would, would people go back and would bands be, be quick to start doing whether it's stadium tours of 10, 15, 20,000, or whether it's, you know, small halls that fit, you know, two, 300, you're, you're still like in close proximity. I know that, is it Denmark that sort of did the drive-through concert? They've got a venue there. Um, I know July Talk in Toronto is trying to do something in, I think, in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that? you know, that may be the few. Maybe everybody just drives in their car up to the concert, does like a drive-through thing. Yeah, but, Go, but as, uh, as we talked about, as we talked about last week, to me, the challenge of that is, you know, I want to see the band live. I want to hear the band live. Um, to hear them through my FM receiver, uh, eh, I guess. Yeah, but like yeah. I'm, I'm more concerned about you know staying alive. You know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like it's funny. Like I, I'm working outside, so like because of COVID, my like my job is like been I've been like basically sites thrown to different groups to work with. Like uh, what happened a couple about a month ago, they said hey, we're gonna have to lay you off. Or you can take the, you guys know that what's that CERB thing you can take from the government, which is not yeah. a lot of money. Yep. Or they said you can go work and, you know, uh, helping the construction guys. And I said, well, this is a pretty easy decision for me. And uh, I'll tell you what, wherever I'm working, there's like no social distancing happening. Yeah. Uh, there's people are, you know, luckily where I live, the COVID cases are like 13 a day in the province. They're just going down, which is good. Yeah. But I think people are getting a little complacent but hopefully things keep going on a going downward. But um, yeah, it's just like, I've been, it's been kind of nice to leave the house, but it's also been kind of scary to be seeing people again, like, you know, coming up to you and stuff like that. Yeah. I need, I need to ask this question because you know, you're, you're collecting stories and, and that um, why, why are people, why do people love to hate on Nickelback? <laughs> oh, I was, I'm actually working on Nickelback script right now. It's, okay. <laughs> so being from being from Alberta, Nickelback's from Alberta. You know, it was funny. I remember being in high school um, a while ago when Nickelback really blew up, like in what 2001, 2002. And I just remember people like their first that first or they had a couple of records, I guess, before then. But like that first big record, like people seem to like it. I like a couple songs off there, but I think it's the cool thing to do is like they kind of represent corporate rock. Mm. Kind of like how I know some people feel that way about Foo Fighters too. Like when I think of Foo Fighters, I love their early stuff. Their newer stuff, I can find like a couple songs here and there that I like. But yeah, Nickelback, I I just find like their songs are really derivative, and there's really not a lot of soul to their music. And um, yeah, and you know Chad Kruger is just a really easy guy to hate too. I don't think he's a particularly likable person. Huh? He just just his attitude and stuff. At least to me, it turns me off. But. Um, like one video I was working on was a whole feud that they had with uh, Slipknot and Stone Sour. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think of Corey Taylor. And Corey Taylor seems like a likable guy and a uh, down-to-earth kind of guy. And uh, I remember Chad Kruger gave an interview <laughs> where he said he can't think of a more – he can't think of a band with more diverse music than Nickelback. And I was like, this is the most what? ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> was it um, – Greg, was it Eric that said, like, some of the nicest he, people he's yeah. met is Nickelback? Yeah. 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 Oh, really? Because, you know, in, in that feud that happened, as um, Corey Taylor said that he hangs, he likes the guys from Nickelback, except Chad Kruger. He said he's hung out with the guys from Nickelback and they're nice. And they even called to apologize to him for what Kruger said in the press. But as a person, he doesn't like Chad Kruger. 
It's in, it's interesting because I mean you know got a lot of friends who are musicians and I I talk to people who say oh so and so is an asshole or this you know and and it's it's perception and they hear it from others and you know and there are some people that are just like somebody that that apparently rubs people the wrong way is um, Dallas Green and yet Dallas is just a really quiet guy. Yeah, we yeah. saw him a couple of years with City and Color at the um, like Folk Fest they have in our yeah. city. He was like headlining. I heard a little bit of it. And yeah, I know some people really like City and Color, but it's kind of weird, like the transition he made from like a Lexus on fire to like, City <laughs> and Color. It's kind of yeah. like, have you guys heard of that? This is a band that's been so requested on my channel, and I finally got around to doing them, but I haven't released it yet. Did you ever hear of a band called Acid Bath? No. They're like a, they're from like Louisiana. They were part of that whole Louisiana metal scene and they were only around for six years, but like there's, they have a really loyal following mm. and from the band broke up because one of the members died and they had musical differences and drugs and all that other stuff. And then their front man went from being like this screaming metal vocalist to like doing what Dallas Green's doing pretty much like writing like acoustic songs and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just like the complete opposite. He's like, yeah, I don't really feel a need to go metal songs anymore really is there is there a band or a uh, a singer that you know you had one opinion of and as you start to do research <laughs> that it's sort of you sort of flip whether you loved somebody you ended up hating or whether you had like zero opinion of them and then you've you know you did research and you you found yourself respecting that person um hmm, that's a good question and um, why well, I definitely think you know Courtney Love was somebody I was kind of neutral on before. Like I liked her music, but as I started to read like more stuff and do research, um, yeah, my opinion definitely changed about her. Like I don't know if you guys have read that book, The Oral History of Grunge, as Everybody Loves Our Town. It's a really good book. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend it if you guys love the Seattle scene. And um, yeah, they just talk a lot about Courtney Love, and she was very like comes across as a very two sided person, manipulative, and um. Yeah, it definitely changed my opinion a lot about her. I know there's a whole thing about her husband's death and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she, I kind of was neutral. But then after reading that book, I was like, wow, yeah, I can see why a lot of people hate her. So one one of the things I thought was interesting is you started up a Patreon page, right? Yeah. It was the Backstage Pass. So it, it, I, I thought that was really interesting in terms of early access. Because as, as a marketer, I'm always looking at an angle of how you can drive interest and revenue. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, we, it's really my wife's idea. Like, um, you know, YouTube's just like so volatile in a sense yeah. that, you know, when you're doing something creative, it's really good. People I say to diversify it. Right. So I mean, we started a Patreon as like, um, cause I mean, we, we, it's not cheap to have a YouTube channel whenever you're putting out content every day. Like we have a full, we have an editor who edits some of our videos for us. And then we have a lot of um, material we're subscribing to and all that kind of stuff. So it's a good way to like um, get your fans to really support the creators that they love. And then we have like a backstage pass. So you get access to early yeah. content. Um, we give them like sneak peeks of like how the whole production happens. Like uh, how do I record the videos? Where's the space I use? Um, we're right now building a studio um, that uh, we're hopefully going to have set up in a couple weeks here. And we're going to hopefully tweak how we do our videos. So look at acts to like what we're doing behind the scenes and that kind of stuff. So I think Patreon's a really good platform for that. That's cool. 
that's cool. Yeah, it's been really good. Um, and then, you know, we've rewards, like we have, like, depending on what tier you go on, you get, uh, I've had one-on-one chats with certain fans and stuff. Sorry, somebody at the door, my dogs are just barking, but, um, yeah, depending on like what tier you're on, like, um, I've had one-on-one chats with certain, uh, subscribers and that's been really cool to meet them as well. By the way, you never have to apologize for your dog because I'm, I can't remember which interview it was, but whichever it was, Kareem's dog jumped up on his lap, small dog, and then just basically stuck his nose right into the camera in the middle of our uh, conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's always fun. I always know when somebody's at the door now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things we like to ask just to sort of sum it up, I know we talked about, you know, um, new stuff like new music and that, but you know, what's, what, what's in your earbuds? What are you listening to? So, I mean, it's a lot of stuff that, uh, I really need to update the music on my phone. So it's, it's, it's mostly a lot of like nineties rock, like from the big four grunge bands. I've got, uh, of course, guns and roses on there. Um, I've got Kiss. You know, Kiss is another band that people really have strong opinions on. Um, I work with a guy who's a really big Kiss fan. He's got a lot of Kiss memorabilia. He stood in line to meet Kid Simmons. Um, so, I mean, I personally like Kiss. I think that they're definitely influential to a lot of bands. The whole, you know, them putting their name on everything, like Kiss coffins and whatever coffee mugs. That Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, but... Um, you know, of course, Aerosmith, I'm a huge Aerosmith fan. Um, just looking at, I got some other stuff like one offs, like Andrew WK. I did a really cool story. Oh, yeah, he's great. I, he seems like a really cool dude as well. Yeah, I'd love to meet um, him at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got, uh, you know, Eminem. So I grew you know, I listened to a bit of rap growing up, but I, I don't listen to a ton of rap that's right now on. Um, Lenny Kravitz. I'm uh, a big mm. Lenny Kravitz fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, another band that people are very strongly opinionated about is Oasis. I personally love Oasis, but a lot of people don't. Um, let's see, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, okay, another artist I love that everybody seems to agree is pretty awesome is Tom Petty. Like that's the yeah. like the artist that people, him and Johnny Cash are like the the artists that seems like no matter whether you're like a metalhead or you know punk rocker, people seem to like those artists. Uh, a lot of ACDC, um, Audio Slave, Billy Idol. And then I got some more recent, so like I would call it more recent in quotes, like Blink-182. I grew up listening a lot to Bush. The, oh, another band I feel like never got their due was The Cult. I feel like they're kind of underrated. And uh, Danzig, The Misfits. Yeah, so it's a good variety. Of, oh. like, That's awesome. So yeah. if, people, if people want to find out uh, more about you, I mean, the Patreon page, if you can share that and where else can... Yeah, you can go to pa- Patreon, uh, like Rock and Roll True Stories. And then you can just go find my YouTube at Rock and Roll True Stories. We pretty much at this point are doing a story a day or at least four times a week, depending on like what my work is. Again, again I, I, please don't please don't say that in front of Kareem, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, <you're right. laughs> yeah, um, so I mean, we're, we're trying to, depending on what my work schedule, like we're trying to do that, but... Uh, yeah, so you can just find me on YouTube, and if you guys have cool ideas for stories, and just yeah, just drop them in the comment section because I really do go through it every week and look at what people have to say. Some stories they suggest that there's just not a lot of info on, so it's it's got to make for a compelling story. If it's not interesting, then it's like maybe something I won't pursue. But there's a really we have a whole spreadsheet of stories that has like every idea we can think of for different bands and stuff. That's awesome, Sid. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you uh, joining us, and welcome to the music. Really. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. It's awesome. Thanks so much, Sid. Take care of yourself. Yeah, stay safe. Stay safe. Yeah, you too.